Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money. In the dog days of summer through the October Classic, Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Here on out, we get nothing but October baseball, ladies and gentlemen. I've been wanting to say that for so long here on this podcast. Welcome to MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. And then there were 10 teams all vying for the World Series crown. So very exciting day. We're going to have no games today, but we actually do have some opening lines on the wildcard game. So I'm going to be going through much like I did yesterday with the American League Getting you set for the National League playoffs here in the first segment. We're going to be going through all the key notes, the key trends, and everything that you want to know with all these different teams. A lot of the players that have been hot, cold recently. In the final segment, I'm going to be going through the most profitable pitchers out there in baseball and going to try to find you some trends there. Some of this will help you out for next year, and some of this will be for this year. And then since we did get opening lines, I'll be giving you a little bit of initial thoughts. These are going to be plays that I won't have locked in, giving you guys some initial thoughts on the AL and a wild card. As I'm doing this podcast, we really don't have a lot of series prices, so not going to be able to dive into that until later on in the week, but that will be coming as well. So we're going to have a very busy next couple days on MLB Overtime Betting, even though the games, well, there aren't quite as many of them, but it makes us all the better. I will tell you guys right now, my best month of handicapping last year was October, and it is my favorite. And like I promised you guys, just like I did with the American League yesterday, we're going to be going through the National League. And if you guys ever have questions that you want answered on the podcast, I'm always happy to answer them here in the first segment at GNRS41. Fire them into the timeline. The letters DM to me stands for 
didn't manage to make the show. I'm one of those people I don't answer my DMs, but I'm always willing to answer the timeline. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but with that said, we are going to be diving in and we're going to be taking a look at some of the things that you want to know going into the postseason. And we're going to start with some of the pitchers that are hot and cold going into it because we do know that for the wild card game between the Washington Nationals, who will be hosting the Milwaukee Brewers, it is going to be Mad Max Scherzer going up against Brandon Woodruff. Now, you do want to note that Brandon Woodruff, he's made a couple starts since coming off the injured list. He has not won past three innings in any one of them. So, Brewers most likely going to be taking the wholesale approach here. They've been doing this for so long. This is par for the course. But Brandon Woodruff, ever since coming off the injured list, has been highly successful. And for the year, the Brewers have been great whenever he's been on the mound. You're going to hear this in the final segment, just how profitable he has been with regards to the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. But how about the best pitcher recently out there in the National League and just in baseball in general? I feel like a movie should be written about how good this guy has been. Jack Flaherty. Going into Sunday, over his 14 starts since the All-Star break, he had a .97 ERA, 11.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. He was leaving 94% of men on base, a 6.5% home run to fly ball rate, fielding independent of a 2-2-4, and then he goes out yesterday and throws a bunch of scoreless innings again. So his ERA over the second half of the year, a .9. He has been absolutely spectacular, and he's backed up by a St. Louis Cardinals team that ever since the All-Star break of any team that has made the postseason has the best bullpen ERA as well. So you do want to note that the St. Louis Cardinals pitching has been very good. How about the next best starter with regards to ERA that is out there in the National League from the second half of the year? That would be Mike Soroka, ladies and gentlemen. 280 ERA ever since the All-Star break. It was actually a little bit better before the All-Star break as well, so... Mike Soroka for the Atlanta Braves has been highly reliable. You do want to note, he's not necessarily going to be giving you those 8-plus innings. He's not one of those inning workhorse guys, but at the same time, he's been very good. But how about the LA Dodgers? They've got themselves a pair of very good pitchers from the second half of the year. Clayton Kershaw and Walker Beale are both a 2.99 ERA. Ever since the All-Star break, we all know that Hunjin Ryu, for much of the year, was just absolutely dominant. Going into mid-August, his ERA was hovering right around 1.5. Then the bottom fell out on him. We're going to be talking to our man Danny Vietti of CBS Sports in the second segment to get you guys primed up for the postseason. And we're going to be diving into Hun Jin Ryu along with the Dodgers in general, why he doesn't think that they're necessarily a slam dunk to make and win the World Series. So you're going to be on the lookout for that. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a team who's Bullpen has been a little bit hot and cold this year. There is no denying that this is a squad that, after the trade deadline, was actually really struggling. Guys like Shane Green, Mark Melanson, they weren't necessarily doing the job for this team. But you take a look at what they've done, by and large, over the last 30 days. It does seem like things are starting to turn around a little bit for this bullpen of the Atlanta Braves. As number one with regards to bullpen ERA over the last 30 days of any team that has made the postseason, well, that is the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, they did wind up having a bad couple days at Colorado, but going into that series against the Rockies, they had been 18-2 and over the last 20 games, needless to say. A tremendous showing, but over the last 30 days, the Atlanta Braves bullpen, right around a 3-6 ERA. Now, we all know who the weak link is in regards to bullpen ERA. It doesn't matter what metric you really look at, aside from last 30 days. Over the last 30 days, the St. Louis Cardinals actually have an ERA out of the bullpen of a 5. That is the worst of any team that is in the playoff picture, but the Washington Nationals, by and large, are currently last in regards to bullpen ERA for the year. They were worse out there in baseball ever since the All-Star break. They're not the worst, but they're right around 6th or 7th worst, so things obviously not going well there, but you know who's actually had a very good run of it out of the bullpen as well? 
the LA Dodgers, a team with a 317 ERA over their last three days out of the bullpen. That is actually now best because the Milwaukee Brewers did throw up all over their shoes in that Colorado Rockies series. So the Dodgers bullpen has been in the top three in regards to the National League in regards to bullpen ERA all year long. And keep in mind, the Dodgers have been using a lot of guys that have sort of been openers, guys like Ross Stripling, Rich Hill. They're not going to be starters, but they're going to be able to be long relief guys come the playoffs. You got to think that someone else is going to be able to do that as well in Kenta Maeda. I know that Kenta Maeda has been a little bit banged up, but that's a weapon that has come out of the bullpen in recent years for this team. And it's something that a lot of these other teams really don't have because with the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a solid star in Miles Michaelis, who ever since the All-Star break has an ERA south of four. He's done a better job of not giving up the long ball. But with that said, you certainly have Adam Wainwright as well, who Pitches well at home. ERA right around a three at home. On the road, it's more like a six. But if you want to take a look at one big bugaboo that you probably want to note, and this is going to be especially true for the wildcard game, Max Scherzer does not look like himself. He's made eight starts since the All-Star break, and he's made really seven starts ever since coming off the injured list. If you take a look at it, between the starts that he's made ever since the All-Star break, ERA, depending on where you look, slash post injured list. He has an ERA between a 4.65 and a 4.8. Opponents are hitting 251 off of him, and he's giving up more than 1.9 home runs per nine innings. That is absolutely stunning for Max Scherzer. Now, he's still doing a good job of not allowing walks, right around two, two and a half walks per nine innings, so he certainly has command, but he's just not giving you what he has been able to in the past, and he has not went past six innings in any one of his starts ever since the All-Star break. He has only went past six innings in one start since July 6th, so he clearly is not himself, and he's given up four home runs over the course of his last two games. That was a home start against the Philadelphia Phillies and a road start against the St. Louis Cardinals. So things are certainly not going well there. And I will point this out about Jack Flaherty as well. Even though he's been so dominant for the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cardinals have lost a lot of his starts and he's gotten a lot of no decisions. He's been a little bit of a tough luck loser in that regard. But you take a look at some of the hitters that could make a big impact in this series. How about if we go with the St. Louis Cardinals? Because this is a St. Louis Cardinals team that they really don't have one guy that's absolutely been nails for the team all year long. You've got Paul Goldschmidt with 33 home runs right around 260 batting average. But Paul DeYoung and Marcel Azuna pair of guys with 29 dingers. They're both hitting below a 245, but one guy is stepping up with the batting average. Over the last 30 days, Tommy Edmond hitting a 375. The reason why that is so huge is because Colton Wong has been on the injured list for the St. Louis Cardinals. We haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Colt Wong, a guy that in the second half of the season is hitting at 365, is going to be huge if the team is able to get him back. You do want to be checking in on his status. You also want to be checking in on the status of Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain has been all sorts of banged up this year, but in regards to players that made the postseason for their team among qualifying players over the last 30 days, He's got, I believe, the fourth best batting average at a 309. He's really heated up for the Milwaukee Brewers. He has been playing through a lot of injuries. That's been big. But the guy who's been absolutely white hot across his last 25 games, Ozzy Albies hitting a 381, 431 on base. He's got five home runs to boot. He's been doing a terrific job for this team. And then you do want to note that there are a couple guys that are going to be playing out here in the postseason for the National League teams that are starting to really mash. You know that Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon are such a fearsome combo for the Washington Nationals. Both these guys on base percentage hovering right off 400. Both men have 34 plus home runs and over 100 RBI. But 
How about what Corey Seager has been doing recently? He's got seven home runs over the last 30 days for the LA Dodgers, hitting right around a 290. Hasn't been drawing a lot of walks, but with that said, he's been doing a great job for this team. Yasmani Grandal, the team needed someone to step up in the absence of Christian Yelich. He's hit six home runs for this team. You do want to note that the batting average is just a 220, but the main just finds way to get on base. 398 on base percentage. And that is big because you also do have Paul DeYoung, who's had six home runs in that time span as well. But he's only hitting a buck seventy-five for the St. Louis Cardinals. You can tell that the Cardinals are becoming a little bit more of a feast or famine team. But what you also do notice in the National League is that both these teams hit very comparably righties versus lefties because there is a theme in the American League in that the Oakland A's, they just absolutely mash lefties. They seem to struggle a little bit more against righties, so that is something that you do want to note, but you did lose in Christian Yelich, the guy that was hitting the best against righties of anyone out there in baseball. His batting average against right-handed pitching was a 368, and he had 32 home runs. Obviously, that is going to be a tough road to hoe for the Milwaukee Brewers, but you take a look at some of the other guys that have done just a very good job of being able to mash one side of the plate. Anthony Rendon, he's hitting for the year 320 against right-handed pitching. A lot of his home runs have came against them as well. And then you know that Cody Bellinger has been doing a terrific job hitting above a 300 for the year, 46 home runs for the LA Dodgers, but he's been a little bit cold recently. You do want to note this, and who are some guys that do match lefties because I was just mentioning those splits a little bit earlier. How about Ozzy Albies? 389 batting average for the year against left-handed pitching. That is absolutely insane. That's over the course of 149 at-bats, so certainly not a small sample size there. And Adam Eaton of the Washington Nationals has also been good against lefties. He's hitting a 290, one of the better guys being able to get on base. He and Trey Turner down for what? Have been doing a very good job for the Washington Nationals, who have scored the most runs per game of any team out there in the National League. You do want to note that the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals for the year below average in regards to runs per game. Both these teams got here because they were the hottest teams in the National League down the stretch. And if you're also looking at teams that are able to get some home runs off of lefties as well, I did mention it a little bit earlier with Cody Bellinger. In 227 plate appearances and 193 at-bats, 18 home runs against left-handed pitching, sitting at 280. So he certainly has been able to exploit those matchups. And perhaps the Dodgers are that team that rake lefties because Justin Turner, 12 home runs over 160 at-bats against lefties as well. But Mike Moustakas, not to be outdone. He's got 11 home runs against lefties. Yasmani Grandal has also been doing a good job. So you do have a Brewers team that does a good job of being able to go deep against lefties along with the LA Dodgers. You also want to note this trend that there is one team out there in this playoff picture that coming off a day of rest has some very demonstrative stats and that would be the Atlanta Braves. I don't know how and I don't know why but coming off a day off they have been absolutely awful. 7-14. That is the third worst mark out there in the big leagues. Second worst mark? The St. Louis Cardinals. 6-13 off a day of rest. The only team that has been worse than these two in the entire big leagues, the Texas Rangers, and they are just below the Detroit Tigers and the Cincinnati Reds. That is absolutely wild to think about. Washington Nationals also bad off a day of rest, 9-12. Milwaukee Brewers are 9-11. The only team with a winning record off a day of rest, the LA Dodgers. 15 and 5. The only team that's been better out there in the big leagues, the Houston Astros. I find that to be just an absolutely stunning split that of the five playoff teams that we have out there in the National League, four have a losing record coming off a day of rest. You know what is also very big? 
home field advantage. How about how good the LA Dodgers have been at home this year? 59 and 22. That is the best mark out there in the National League. Only the Houston Astros had a better record, 60 and 21. These are just historically good stats right there. But with Washington Nationals going into that one game wild card, they've been very good at being able to protect home field as well. 50 and 31 in that regard. If the Milwaukee Brewers are able to get in there, they're 49 and 32. The St. Louis Cardinals are 50 and 31. So even the Atlanta Braves are 50 and 31. So every one of these teams that are in the postseason, at least 49 and 32 at home, that means that the big equalizer is going to be how these teams do on the road. And you do have a pair of teams that are above the others with regards to a road record. The LA Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves, both 47 and 34, 58% win percentages when it comes to being able to win games on the road. They have been doing a good job. St. Louis Cardinals have been essentially holding serve. You always hear that you want to go 500 on the road. St. Louis Cardinals did that. 40 and 39 and the Milwaukee Brewers 40 and 41. So they're right there. And then with the Washington Nationals 43 and 38. So you've got two teams that are clearly better than the others in regards to road record. The other ones are fairly comparable. And then when you're taking a look at totals, you do have a National League Central that was playing more totals to the under than pretty much any team out there in baseball. You take a look at the teams with the top under eight out there in baseball. Cincinnati right, 60.4%. Milwaukee Brewers number two, and this is overall games. 55.8% of their games went under, then it was the Oakland A's, and then the St. Louis Cardinals played 55% of their games to the under. But where the unders really came through with the St. Louis Cardinals, how about their home games going under as whenever the St. Louis Cardinals played at home, 57.1% of their games went under. The Milwaukee Brewers played 55.7% of their home games the under as well. And then you just take a look in general. The LA Dodgers were able to be a little bit of an even-up team when it comes to their over-under rate at home. 52.6% of their games went under, so you maybe have a little bit of an advantage there, but the Washington Nationals played nearly 54% of their home games to the over. But when you take a look at the road games, because I pointed it out in the American League, the New York Yankees wound up finishing up the year with 62.7% of their road games going over. It was an absolutely insane split. You don't really have that in the National League. For the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers, between 52 and 53% of their road games have went over. But for the Washington Nationals, more around 55% of their road games went under. And the Milwaukee Brewers have been fairly consistent home to road. Right around 55.7% of their road games went under. And 55.8% of their home games went under. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. They're a much better over team on the road than they are at home. I just mentioned that over 50% of their home games are going over. 52.7% of their road games are going under. So they do seem to score a little bit more whenever they are on the road. That's probably because the bullpen relents a little bit more, but... I think that those are all very interesting statistics. And when we get into the final segment, you're going to know a little bit more about the money won and money lost with so many of these pitchers. But hopefully that gave you a nice little primer for the National League playoff picture, what you do want to know with some of these teams. As always, we're going to be having a lot of time to be able to talk about these teams in the next couple days on this podcast. Tweet them in at JuniorSquare1. Is there a metric that you want me to go over? Is there a question that you want answered? please do tweet that in. But coming up next, we are going to get some tremendous information. You can bank on that because we've got our man Danny Vietti of CBS Sports coming on to be able to talk about the playoff picture, just what he saw in general in baseball this year, and who he expects to be able to make that deep run in October. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And if you like what you're hearing from MLB Overtime Betting, well, we're actually able to save you some money. Do you want us to be able to Go out and watch some of these postseason games. 
you're able to find tickets to these games on Vivid Seats, a proud sponsor of MLB Overtime Betting. If you go into the Vivid Seats app and you type in the promo code OVERTIME, that is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you're able to save $100 off of all tickets if you are a first-time customer. That is off of concerts. That's off of MLB postseason games. If you want to watch mid-major basketball, gosh darn it, you can get yourself to wherever in the heck VCU plays and buy tickets there. Vivid Seats offers a little bit of everything. And type in that promo code OVERTIME, all one word, to the Vivid Seats app and be a first-time customer. You're able to save $100 off of all Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. Great to have our next guest. He has joined me a couple times. He is based out there in the lovely state of California. And he does a terrific work of following all things baseball for CBS MLB. It is Danny Vietti joining me, and you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Vietti, and I will spell that out for you, D-A-N-N-Y-V-I-E-T-T-I, as Danny is joining me once again, and how are you doing now that we've got postseason baseball? I mean, how could you not be pumped for these next couple weeks and next month? I mean, postseason baseball, one of the best times of the year. It should be a holiday. Oh, I totally agree with you, and things are going to be getting started on Tuesday when you've got the National League wildcard game. It's going to be the Washington Nationals playing also the Milwaukee Brewers. With the Milwaukee Brewers, we don't know who's going to be starting. We're probably not going to know until the day of the game. That's the way the Craig Council likes to play these things. But we don't know that it's going to be Max Scherzer going for the Washington Nationals. What do you make out of this? Because the Milwaukee Brewers for the last month of the season have really been taking the wholesale approach. And Max Scherzer just hasn't looked like himself ever since coming off the injured list. What the Brewers have done over the past 30 days, or even since Yelich got hurt, is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, they've won, what, 20 of 23 games or something crazy like that. I mean, they don't have as much juice in their lineup since Yelich left, and particularly on that left side. On the left side in the batter's box, all they really have is Moustakis, and then they got Grandal, who's a switch hitter as well. So a lot of their power and a lot of their threat is from the right side, yet they've been knocking around right-handed arms, left-handed arms. They've been doing it all. And so what I'm excited to see, as you mentioned, is if Max Scherzer can find a way to get back to his dominant self because the Brewers don't hit right-handed pitchers as well as they hit lefties. They're hitting 246 off righties this year. A lot of that comes from before Yelich left. And, of course, we all know lefties hit right-handed pitchers better, the same-handedness, same hittersness. So I'm excited to see. If I'm putting money on it, I'm, I'm going to you know, say the Nationals are going to take it just because I don't personally find any threat in the Brewers' starting rotation nor their bullpen. Other than Josh Hader, Jeffries hasn't been the same this year. Pomerantz has been really good in their bullpen for Milwaukee. That was a huge pickup for them at the deadline. But as far as depth, I'm going with Washington because in a one-game playoff, Washington can – utilize each and every one of those dominant starters for a couple innings that they have to. I mean, when you have Strasburg and Corbin, you have those in your back pocket if you're Dave Martinez. Those are some special weapons, and he can utilize them however he wants to. So it'll be interesting to watch how he does utilize his top farms in that bullpen. And obviously the Brewers are going to have a little bit of an advantage in the bullpen, but I do fear that the Brewers having to go from having the 40-man roster in September to 
25 is going to be a little bit of an issue for them. And it's a reason why I do have a little bit of trepidation with the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Both these teams did a great job of utilizing their bullpens. And we saw that with how good they were able to play in September. But I feel like with the rosters being whittled back down, it's really going to be a disadvantage for those two teams. Yeah, well, I'm going to be at this game, so I'm pretty pumped about this one. And here's the problem I see with Oakland, okay, because I've been all in on Oakland all year long. I think they have a lot better depth and a lot better talent than people give them credit for. But I will say this, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be putting Charlie Morton on the mound, and the A's are hitting just 245 against right-handed pitchers this year. They're going to be throwing either Mike Fires or Sean Manea out on the mound. The Rays, they hit lefties and righties about the same. There's not much decline either way. They hit 253 against righties and 255 against lefties. So point being, if the Rays are able to throw Charlie Morton out there on the mound and the A's don't hit right-handed pitchers as well, whereas on the flip side, the Rays hit righties and lefties about the same. So they could either go Fires or Manaya, but it's not going to really take a dip either way. If I'm Bob Melvin and I'm throwing a starter out there, it would be Sean Manaya because he's been utterly dominant since he's returned from his shoulder surgery. But I'm a little pessimistic, if you will, just because I don't know how Oakland is going to fare against a really dominant starter in Charlie Morton. And that's really been the story of the Oakland A's over the past five, six years. They've made the playoffs multiple times, but they can't quite get over this hump. And I'd even extend it to the past couple decades for the Oakland A's. They are able to squeeze into the playoffs through their money ball tactics and their platoon guys. But when it comes down to it in the playoffs, you have to have a dominant starter out on the mound that you can ride for six, seven innings. And their bullpen hasn't been the same either with Blake Trinan not being his self. And then Trevino, Lou Trevino just went on a DL recently as well. He wasn't having quite the year he was having last year, but he's another dominant righty that they would have liked to have for some back-end depth in that bullpen. So I don't know how I feel about this game because the numbers are telling me Rays, but my heart and my just baseball wherewithal altogether is telling me Oakland's going to pull away with it. Yeah, it is so interesting as we do have Danny Vietti of CBS Sports joining me right here on the podcast. And I think it's also going to be fascinating to see what happens in the Cardinals versus the Atlanta Braves series. Because with the St. Louis Cardinals, we've got Paul Goldschmidt, who's got right around 33 home runs. Paul DeYoung and Marcel Zuna have chipped in a couple home runs as well. But you haven't really had a dominant lineup. And... Colt Wong, who is one of the best players with regards to batting average, I think after the All-Star break, he hit right around 360 for the year. He's hitting right around a 290 to a 300. He's been out of the lineup recently for the St. Louis Cardinals. And with the Cardinals, you do have the most dominant starter that you were talking about a little bit earlier, Jack Flaherty. Guy, ever since the All-Star break, ERA south of one has been magnificent, but I just don't know if the Cardinals are going to be able to hang with the Atlanta Braves with regards to an offensive standpoint, because with the Braves, you're going to have Ronald Acuna Jr. back, Freddie Freeman, Josh Charlton, all those guys. And with the Atlanta Braves, they have some very good starting pitching. It's not as great as that of the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals bullpen has been great, but I just think that it's going to be a spot where the Braves have a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think this series in itself is going to come down to starting pitching. Other than Jack Flaherty, there's a lot of question marks in that Cardinals starting rotation. Dakota Hudson has not been good his last couple starts out there. He's shown really lack of control in, in every regard. He's really struggled in Chicago. He barely got out of the first inning. And then his last start really struggled. It hasn't had a quality start in quite some time now. So after Jack Flaherty, it goes Miles Michaelis. He's a guy that can hit his spots and he has decent stuff, but he's 
no dominant right-handed thrower. And then Adam Wainwright, he's that veteran guy that you love to have and love to have him take the young guys under his wing and show him the ropes. But he's not the Adam Wainwright of 2012, back when he was Cy Young candidate almost every year. So other than Flaherty, there's some definite question marks when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I've talked about the Atlanta Braves before because everyone compares them to the Dodgers saying, well, they're not quite as good as the Dodgers uh, lineup and pitching wise. But when I look at Atlanta, they have enough mix of youth and veteran leadership to be young and dumb enough yet talented enough to get past the Dodgers. And look, they're going to have to get past the Cardinals first. And the Cardinals aren't going to be a walkthrough. I, I think the Cardinals are definitely talented enough to give them a run for their money. But between Soroka, Max Fried, and Tehran's another solid veteran righty. And Fulton Davids has been one of the best under-the-radar starters in the second half. And then, of course, they had Dallas Keuchel. So the starting rotation with Atlanta is going to overpower St. Louis by a wide margin. But at the same time, the Cardinals have a better bullpen. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to starting pitching. And I think Atlanta just has a plethora of really dominant starters that they can throw out there. And in a five-game, seven-game series, they're just going to overpower St. Louis. I think that that's a very good point that you bring up as we do have Danny Vietti joining me right here on the podcast. This terrific work for CBS Sports' MLB coverage. And you mentioned all the starters for the Atlanta Braves. Not all these guys are going to get a start. Out of those guys, who would you send in the bullpen as a little bit of a long reliever? Because we all know that the Houston Astros, the way that they were able to win their World Series a couple years ago, they put Lance McCullers as that long relief guy. He was absolutely tremendous. You got to think the Astros are going to try to do that with one of their starters as well. Who do you think might be that long relief guy that could help out maybe the Atlanta Braves or maybe even a different team? Because we're going to see it from the Dodgers as well, likely with a guy like Akenta Maeda. If I were to put a guess on it, I would say it would be between Max Breed and Fulton Avitz. I don't know how much they're going to trust switching up Fulton Avitz's routine. Uh, they've really seen Fulton Avitz grow over the second half through the veteran leadership from Brian McCann. McCann has worked with Fulton Avitz almost every day on a daily basis, trying to get a routine down. And they finally gotten a routine down and the results have you know proven true. And he's been really dominant over the past two to three months. If I were to put, like I said, if I were to put a guess on it, I would say Freed or Fulton Davis. But let's not forget, they put Sean Newcomb in the bullpen earlier this year. He was an all-star last year as a starter. Now he's back in that bullpen. He started just four games this year. He's made the majority of his appearances out of that Atlanta bullpen. And he's been solid. 3-1-8 ERA. He's pitched 68 innings. And really his only question is walks. He's walked 29 in those 68 innings, but he's got dominant stuff. So like I mentioned, it's going to come down to starting pitching between St. Louis and Atlanta, but Atlanta has so much depth within their rotation. They're going to be kind of like the Washington Nationals. They can throw a couple of their starters in that back bullpen as either a long relief guy or even just a guy that come in there for two innings at a time. Like back in 2014, when San Francisco was making their run, they put Tim Linscombe in the bullpen, and he wasn't the same self as he had been back when he was a multiple Cy Young candidate and Cy Young winner. They put Linscombe in the bullpen, and he was dominant, and he went out there for a couple innings at a time, and he found his niche back there. And so I think that's what a guy like Sean Newcomb or possibly Max Freed, a guy that comes in there, throws strikes, isn't afraid of the moment. So I would expect those two guys to have a chance at really showing some stuff out of the bullpen in the series. I think that that's a very good point that you bring up. And then taking a look at the other series that we really haven't hit to this point that we know exactly what we're going to get 
is the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees. Talk about two teams that have had some struggling starting pitching. Here you go. With the Minnesota Twins, Jose Barrios, I think, has had one start ever since the beginning of the month of August in which he's given up fewer than 300 runs. Martin Perez has been a hot mess. Jake Odorizzi has been decent, but Kyle Gibson has been relegated to the bullpen. Things are not going well there. You're going to have to rely upon someone like maybe even a Randy Dominic to perhaps make a start. And for the New York Yankees, James Paxson gets hurt in his last start. Luis Severino has been coming back, but at the same time, in his last start against the Texas Rangers, things didn't look good there. Masir Tanaka is getting Tanaka around. CeCe Sabathia, well, he's right now old and giving up two and a half home runs for nine innings. This is a series where I wouldn't be surprised if we see multiple games in which both teams hang a touchdown on the board. And I think that this is really going to come down to the bullpen. And I think that the Yankees have a big advantage there. Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone saw the last series in Minnesota between the Yankees and Twins where they scored, I don't know, 40 combined runs but in two games. And in the last game, they scored a ton as well. So it's going to be an absolute slugfest. And it'll be fun to watch, depending on what you like to see out of baseball. But Tanaka's been better. He's still going to give up some long balls, as he always does. Look, when you pitch in Yankee Stadium, you're going to give up the long ball. It doesn't matter who you are. And, and I think Domingo Herman, you know, having his domestic violence dispute or domestic violence case going on lately, I don't know what, I don't have any details regarding that, but I know that's going to really hurt this team because they were already lacking in starting pitching depth. And with Herman, who is leading the team in victories and has really been a staple in that rotation all year long, that's going to really hurt them. And their strategy, they knew this when they were going into the season. They knew that Severino was going to be hurt much of the year. So what they did is they stacked their bullpen. They already had Chapman, of course. And then they signed Zach Britton. And then they brought in Adam Ottavino, brought back Tommy Canley. And so but their strategy is, is they're going to try and shorten the game for their starters. They're not going to rely on Severino, Tanaka, or if Paxton you know, is healthy enough to go, go back out there. They're not going to rely on them to go six, seven innings. They're going to try and get three to four innings out of them and then head to their bullpen to try and see if they can finish the job. But as we've seen, I talked about it with the Oakland A's. That was their strategy over the past five years, and it hasn't worked out for them. You need a dominant starter to go out there for five, six, seven innings so that you can relieve your bullpen so that they can be fresh the next day. So I've talked about the Yankees a lot over the past month because I think they're a really good team. Let's not get it twisted. They have a powerful offense, one of the best in the league. But when it comes down to it, you need somebody in that starting rotation to step up and. I think they can get past the Twins because the Twins don't have any overpowering arms either, as you mentioned. So it's going to be an absolute slugfest. It'll be fun to watch. It's going to be some really long ball games. You're looking at four-hour games, four-hour nine-inning games possibly between these two teams just because of the amount of runs that are going to get stacked up. But I think they'll get past the Twins. I have them matching up with the Astros and the ALCS, but it's going to be fun to watch. I agree with you, as we do have Danny Vita. As we do have Danny Vietti joining me right here on the podcast. And I think that the Yankees are going to be able to survive an advance against the Minnesota Twins. They certainly had the Twins number when they played in Minnesota. But I just don't think that any team has taken down the Houston Astros this year. I know that the LA Dodgers had a nice run of things out there in the National League and everything like that. And they've got some good starting pitching of their own. But Hunjin Ryu looking as shaky as he was last month and a half of the year gives some pause there. 
Kenley Jansen is not the guy that he was a few years ago. Ever since he had that heart condition, he has not been the same. And with the Houston Astros, you got to think that they're probably going to be using Wade Miley perhaps out of the bullpen, maybe in that Lance McCullers role. You've got Garrett Cole, Zach Granke, and obviously Justin Verlander. I think that that's going to be too much with that lineup. Yeah, and check this out. So what if I told you that the second half of the season since the All-Star break, the Astros had the same OPS as a team as Ronald Acuna has this entire year. Oh and gosh. let's keep in mind, I mean, Ronald Acuna is an MVP candidate. He was almost a 40-40 guy. And the Astros are doing that cumulatively as a team in the second half. So they're clicking on all cylinders. And, I mean, they have Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. They're only the second pair of teammates to notch 300 strikeouts as teammates. The other two was Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. So they have it all. There's no question marks when it comes to the Astros. They have Ozuna as a closer, Chris Davinsky, and then Will Harris. They've all been good in the bullpen. Really, from top to bottom, bullpen to the lineup to the rotation, they're not lacking in any regard. And I have them going on to win the World Series. That's my prediction. It's not exactly a bold prediction considering the depth in every category when it comes to the Astros. But their hashtag is take it back. That's their uh, trending hashtag when it comes to the Astros, and I have 100% confidence that they're going to take it back this year. I agree with you. The Astros are right now the short shot here in Vegas and in New Jersey to win the World Series, and I don't see any disagreement there. But if there is one team that you think that could knock off the Astros, who do you think it would be? Because I think that the easy choice for a lot of people is the Dodgers. I know that you're heavily leaning to the Atlanta Braves, and I still think that if they are able to overcome that wild card game, it could be the Nationals because they've got all the goods. With that said, I don't, certainly don't think it's going to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. But if there was one team, if Max Scherzer all of a sudden gets healthy and looks like old Max Scherzer, I think they could give the Astros some fits. Yeah, I think they had the rotation to go pitch for pitch with Houston. The Nationals do. I just don't know if they have enough in their bullpen to get to that point. And that's my question mark with the Dodgers, too, because the Dodgers are really good. They're basically the A's. The Oakland A's are a poor man's L.A. Dodgers. And and I mean that in a respective way in that the Dodgers have platoon guys that they can throw out there. And they have a lot of guys. They rely on matchups and platoons. And that strategy hasn't proven its worth over the past 10 years. The past 10 years has been dominant starters. Boston Red Sox last year, Chris Sale, Porcello was really good in the playoffs, and David Price. You need dominant starters. You can't rely on platoons in the postseason. And as soon as I say that, I'm going to bring along the Oakland A's and say, I think the Oakland A's have a chance at knocking off Houston if they can get past the wild card game. They were 8-11 and against Houston this year. Nothing great, but over the second half, they were much better against Houston. Across a, a week span, they beat the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Astros. And it was one of the most dominant stretches that we've seen this season. Oakland really is one of the better teams in the entire league. They have been ever since the first two months of the season. They were hovering around 500 the first two months. A lot of that was because Matt Olson broke his hand in spring training. Once Matt Olson came back, Matt Chapman got kicking. And then Marcus Simeon has been under the radar MVP candidate. They're really clicking on all cylinders and their starting rotation isn't great, but with Manaya and Fires and Roark, they have enough to at least get past this wild card. And they've shown that they can beat the Astros 
in a three, four game series. So if I'm picking any team in the AL to have a chance against Houston, I'm actually going to give it to Oakland. But the biggest hump and that biggest hurdle is going to be that first wild card game because we've seen it. The one game playoff, whether you like it or not, that best team of the fall classic could be in that one game wild card and they could get knocked off just because they play a poor nine inning game. They can't afford to have any type of lulls in a nine inning game. And unfortunately, that's just the way the game of baseball goes. But I think Oakland has a serious shot at knocking off Houston if they can get past that one game playoff. Absolutely. And you know that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be handling that wild card game as if it is game seven of the World Series. It's going to be all hands on deck for them. And something that is all hands on deck. Your terrific baseball coverage, Danny Vietti. I would like to close it up with this. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media, where they can get all of your articles. I remember a few days ago you did a terrific piece on Bruce Bochy and the San Francisco Giants, and there's a whole lot more where that came from as well. Yeah, certainly, and I'm actually watching the Bruce Bochy send-off right now on the on the TV right now. And before I do log off, I just want to say what a guy Bruce Bochy is. And if you haven't, read my latest on Bruce Bochy, you can catch some really awesome stories about this guy. Just given random reporters, tours through the Green Monster at Fenway Park. Another one where the Giants radio broadcaster, John Miller, he was not wearing his World Series ring. And Bruce Bochy asked, why aren't you wearing your ring? And John Miller said, well, I didn't do anything to deserve a World Series ring. I've just been up in the press box. And Bochy responds and goes, I didn't do anything either. The players did all the work, but that doesn't mean we can't wear our rings respectfully. And so what Bruce Bochy means to San Francisco and Northern California as a whole is incredible. And I just want to personally thank Bruce Bochy for all the long-term memories that he's given baseball fans. And he's truly a a really good guy. And to uh, touch on your other point, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Danny Vietti. And then just type in Danny Vietti, V-I-E-T-T-I, CBS Sports on Google, or you can look me up at cbssports.com. You should be able to find all my latest articles. So feel free to hit me up anytime. Terrific. A big thanks to Danny Vietti of CBS Sports for joining me right here on the podcast, getting us all primed up for the MLB playoffs. Unfortunately, we have no bettable games on the board for this Monday. So instead, in the final segment, we're going to take a little bit of a look back and see who was the most profitable pitchers out there in Major League Baseball this season. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem. So, yeah, he better not blow it. of CBS Sports for joining me in the last segment as we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. I didn't think we were going to get as much of a line as we did on this one, so we're actually going to be able to give you a little bit of a play here on Milwaukee Brewers versus Washington Nationals with the Oakland A's going with an undecided pitcher. Only Circa has that line up, but it is that time they give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board, even though it's rather for tomorrow rather than today. And we do something we call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to Touch Em All. All right, note that this could be a little bit subject to change. If I do wind up changing a little bit on this play, that will be noted up on my Twitter feed at GNRNRSquarty1. Keep in mind that neither of these plays are going to be locked in as of right now. I'm going to be doing a little bit more research within the next 24 hours, and I'm going to be talking about this game a little bit more in tomorrow's podcast as well. So if you don't wind up firing on this game right away, don't worry. I'll be refreshing it for you tomorrow. But we've got the Milwaukee Birds hitting the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. 
specials as it is Brandon Woodruff going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, Mad Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Total on this game ranging between 7.5 and 8 across Vegas with the 7.5. Your over is juice of minus 120. The under is even. At Circa, you've got an under of 8 at minus 115 juice. Over of 8 is minus 105. And across the board, the Washington Nationals laying anywhere between minus 170 and minus 175 plus price here on the Milwaukee Brewers. Between plus 155 and plus 160, got to be looking at the value play of the Milwaukee Brewers. I pointed it out earlier with Max Scherzer and the fact that ever since the second half of the year, he's got a 4-8 ERA with the Washington Nationals. You have to fear that that bullpen is going to just erupt once again. Worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues all year long. It has been a little bit better over the last 30 days. They're actually not the worst bullpen with regards to ERA in the National League over the last 30 days. They've been hovering more around a 4-8 with regards to team ERA, but the Milwaukee Brewers have been doing a tremendous job with so many guys coming out of the bullpen. I like that Danny Vietti pointed out the job that Drew Pomerantz is doing. You know that Josh Hader, even though he blew his save a couple days ago, is going to be ready. He's going to be able to give multiple innings for the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff has been used as a pseudo-opener, and you're going to find out in a couple minutes just how profitable he's been as a pitcher. But with the Milwaukee Brewers, this is a team that has actually fared quite well against the Washington Nationals for the year. We all remember the last series that these two teams had in Washington. It was just a game of horse. It was absolutely insane. You had these teams throwing up touchdowns left, right, and sideways. I think it's going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game, but this is one where I'm certainly leaning towards the over. I would like to see if this juice on 7.5 gets down a little bit more. Either that, or I'd probably rather take an unjuice ape, just because Mad Max Scherzer has not necessarily been himself. You don't have a great bullpen, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got a lot of guys with very comparable batting averages. You've got guys like Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Eric Thames, Ben Gamble, list goes on and on of guys that are hitting between, I would say, a 245 and a 260. Mike Moustakis for the year, 35 home runs. He has been doing an absolutely tremendous job against lefties, not so much against righties, so that's going to favor Max Scherzer a little bit, but Max Scherzer doesn't seem to be his normal self. He has Manny Grandel. He's been one of the best home run hitters in the big leagues ever since Christian Yelich did go down. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the bat. Hernan Perez, Trent Grisham, along with Orlando Arcia and Travis Shaw are all guys hitting a 235 or lower, and you could throw in their Spangenberg as well. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, this is a team that has scored the most runs in the big leagues per game of any team out there in the National League, and this is a team that has really heated up. You got to give them that. I mentioned Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon, both having an on-base percentage hovering around 400. Both men have 34-plus home runs and over 100 RBI. And then you also do have Adam Eaton hitting a 280 for the year. He's been doing a good job recently. Trey Turner down for what led the league in stolen bases last year. Not so much this year because he was injured, but he's still hitting nearly a 300. Then you got a couple guys in Michael A. Taylor along with Azurbo Cabrera, Victor Robles, and Brian Zimmerman. They're hanging between a 250 and a 260. They've all heated up. You do need a little bit more out of guys like Matt Adams and Brian Dozier, but by and large, this is a very good lineup with the Washington Nationals, but they're going to see a variety of looks from the Milwaukee Brewers. I just cannot trust in Mad Max Urzer being able to pull this one out for the Washington Nationals, and I do think that the Milwaukee Brewers provide so much value right now with being an over $150 with being over plus 150. And you got to think that there's going to be more public money coming in on Max Scherzer and company as well. So I'm going to be on the Milwaukee Brewers and I'm going to be on you over in this spot. I'm right now in Wayne Seaman, probably going to be waiting until at the very least tomorrow, if not a little bit more, I will be posting on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 if anything changes, but that's where I'm leaning on that one. When it comes to the rotation numbers on this one, I don't think I gave them out. 9 11, 9 12 is what you're looking at there. And then the rotation numbers for Tampa Bay 
Rays versus Oakland A's. This is going to be the wild card game on Wednesday. Those are 9-13, 9-14. It will be Charlie Morton of the Tampa Bay Rays. And for the Oakland A's, it's undecided. Only Circa has a lineup on this game. Total is 8 with the Oakland A's laying minus 140 and a plus price of the Tampa Bay Rays of a plus 128. We went through this with Danny Vietti, so I'm not really going to be going in-depth on this game today. But just note that I do think that Charlie Morton is going to be able to post some fits for the Oakland A's right now, as long as the Oakland A's trot out there, either Mike Fires or Chaminea, probably going to be looking at an under. I'll probably be in Wayne C mode as this total actually opened up at 7.5 and, and it has ticked up to 8, so you do want to note that, but going to be going into more depth in that game in the next couple days, so do note that I didn't just completely ignore this. I just thought that myself and Danny had a very good back and forth on that, and something else that is a very good back and forth is just taking a look at some of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues because it is always fun to look at ERAs and just all those different metrics, the amount of home runs a pitcher has given up per nine innings, but you take a look at the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues, a lot of them come from the National League and a lot of them are going to be in these series as the number one most profitable pitcher of anyone that's going to be partaking in the postseason, Dakota Hudson. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, and all these numbers, courtesy of Odd Shark, we've got a lot of good buddies there, but if you bet $100 on all of Dakota Hudson's 32 starts, you're up $982. Now, he hasn't looked as good recently, but I believe the St. Louis Cardinals are 17-4 and in his last 21 starts, so he certainly has gotten the job done there. Jordan Lyles, ever since coming over to the Milwaukee Brewers, has been absolute magic. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, you're up $948. I believe that the Brewers have lost just one of his starts because Jordan Lyles was actually an unprofitable pitcher before he got to the Brewers as the Pittsburgh Pirates lost all eight of his last eight starts with him as a Pirate, not just losing outright, but lost on the run line by two plus runs. So that shows just how big of a difference maker he's been. And that's a guy I probably should have pointed out a little bit earlier. Big difference maker for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's given up more than two earned runs in just one start ever since coming over to the Milwaukee Brewers at the trade deadline. Arguably won the trade deadline MVPs along with Drew Pomerantz. So that has been big. I was teasing Brandon Woodruff. If you bet $100 on every one of his 22 starts, you are up $869. That is insane return on investment because so many people look at that as being one of their favorite metrics. So if you divide that up by 22 starts, you bet $100. That is essentially a 39.5% return on investment. And this guy, those of you guys wondering who number one is with regards to money one in regards to pitchers for if you bet $100 on every one of his starts, that actually went to Ivan Nova, the only man that made you four figures if you bet $100 on every one of his starts. You were up $1,052 and you got a couple guys of the Oakland A's, who Danny Vietti was mentioning a little bit earlier, that have brought a lot of value. If you bet $100 on every one of Brett Anderson's 31 starts, up $801. Mike Fires up $691 if you bet on him in all 32 of his starts. And you do want to know that the most profitable starting pitcher out there in the American League is actually Domingo Ramon. You're up $975 if you bet all 24 of his starts, so obviously it's a little bit of a rough go of it that he's not out there, but hey, you even take a look at Adam Wainwright. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, you're up $521 with him. The openers of the New York Yankees have also done well. Whenever Chad Green starts, bet $100 on every one of his 14 opens, you're up $481. So we've got some unlikely profitable pitchers. And Mike Fultonavich, ever since he got recalled from AAA, he's got an ERA hovering right around a 2-5. So he's been solid as well. And then you take a look at some of the money burners. Some of these guys are going to just jump off the page. Now, some of these guys are very obvious. The least profitable three pitchers in the big leagues 
all come from either the Detroit Tigers or the Baltimore Orioles. Jordan Zimmerman, if you bet $100 on all 23 event starts, you're down $1,220. Gabriel Yanoa, the team was 1-12 in his starts for the Baltimore Orioles. You would lose $1,105 if you bet $100 on every one of his starts. And Spencer Turnbull won 3-17. A little bit of a tough luck loser. If you bet $100 on all 29 of his starts, you're down $1,083. How about the guys below him, though? Tyler Molly. if you bet $100 on every one of his starts, down $1,077. Chris Sale, down $1,018 if you bet on him in all 25 of his starts. But Jacob deGrom... If you bet $100 on all 32 of his starts, the man that many people say is going to win the Cy Young, you're down $1,000. He might be the Cy Young for baseball in general, not the Cy Young of your bankroll. That is for sure. And then you take a look at some of the guys that are out there in the postseason that have not been making you money. There aren't too many of them, but Adrian Hauser has actually been a money burner for you. If you had $100 on all 17 of his starts, you're down $591. Now, I will say that that's a little bit misleading because Adrian Hauser was a hot mess in his first couple starts. He had a nice stretch between the month of August into early September in which he allowed one run in five straight starts. So he had certainly been doing a little bit better there. CC Sabathia bet $100 on all 22 of his starts. You're down $525. So obviously things are not going well there. But Austin Voth, a guy that's actually been a Pretty decent starter for the Washington Nationals. I'm not going to call him great, but at the same time, in his eight starts, he's got a 330 ERA. Bet $100 on all eight of them. You're down $472. Needless to say, that's a return on investment. That is not good. And then Mad Max Scherzer, actually on the list of pitchers that are least profitable. Bet $100 on all 27 of his starts. You're down $480. And a lot of that has been a result of his bad second half of the season. And Jack Flaherty, I mentioned him being a tough luck loser. Bet $100 on all 32 of his starts. You're down $384. You're going to wonder, how can that be? And heck, I wonder how that can be. Because I have touted Jack Flaherty as just being absolutely masterful. The man, in my opinion, could do no wrong. He's had the greatest second half that we've seen in a long time. Heck, I think his second half of the year this year was better than when Bob Gibson had his ERA like right around 1. But the reason being is that for the year, the St. Louis Cardinals, whenever he's taken the mound, have went 17-16 and 16 in his starts. And if you take a look at what he's done in the second half, where he's been just so masterful, and this takes into account Sunday's start, the team is 10-5 and five in his 15th start since the All-Star break. Now, on the surface, that sounds very good, but considering his ERA was right around a .9, for the team to be 10-5, and five, that's absolutely ridiculous. You may recall the no-hitter that he took into the seventh inning against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Team winds up losing that game in 19 innings. He winds up getting a no decision against the Chicago Cubs in which he left with the team leading by a count of 4-1. to one. They wind up winning that game in extra innings. And for some reason, the Milwaukee Brewers just have his number. If you take the starts that he had against the Milwaukee Brewers out of the equation, across those 13 starts that he had not against the Milwaukee Brewers, he gave up five earned runs in nearly 85 innings. That is just absolutely insane. So I just can't bang the drum for him enough, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm glad I was able to offer you a little bit of information. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard today. A little bit of a different show because obviously we don't have any games today, but I was able to give you something on the Milwaukee Brewers game, and we're going to have more on the wild card and the divisional series as those lines become available. And as always, I'll be tweeting out plays at Junior Score You One and providing them right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And a big thanks to our man Danny Vietti of CBS Sports for joining 
joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRSCordio1, and I'll be riding with you guys all throughout October until a World Series champion is crowned, and let's make today a successful, well, it really can't be a profitable one since there's no games to bet on, but a fun one, and I'll talk to you guys once again. Thank you so much for tuning in.